Harris, and welcome to this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting sites and apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. That's PCFpodcast at VHJ.com. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Hannah Gerloff, a registered nurse at Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters in Norfolk, who works in the Oncology Outpatient Clinic. Hannah is a clinical caregiver who brings a unique perspective as a cancer survivor to her work with pediatric cancer patients. With that introduction, welcome to the program, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Before we delve into your work with patients, let's chat about your experience as a cancer survivor. Would you share your journey from diagnosis to treatment and recovery with everyone? Yes. So I kind of have two different stories. I first had an anaplastic astrocytoma, which is a grade three brain tumor when I was 25. I was already doing pediatric oncology at the time. And then um, fast forward about 15 years later, and I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I was also at that time doing pediatric oncology, which is my true love. So I've always been doing pediatric oncology, and then unfortunately had brain cancer and colon cancer while doing that. That sounds, I mean, that's a lot to digest for a person to to be diagnosed with that kind of stuff. What was sort of the experience like, you know, in in being diagnosed and treated and, and your recovery process? Well, fortunately, I have a wonderful family by myself, and then I've had, I've been blessed with having awesome work families while going through it. And being an adult at the time, I had a different perspective than all the kids. I knew I had to go to work and do the treatments and get through it. So really, the chemotherapy and radiation, I was blessed that both of my cancers just, they weren't really high grades. They were medium grades. So I just needed a little bit of surgery, a little chemotherapy, and some radiation. They were not fun, but in the grand scheme of things, they could have been a lot worse. And the children, they are missing out on school and seeing their friends and going to proms and dates and all of these things. And their parents are worrying about them, whereas I was worrying about my parents and my husband and my brothers and sisters and not myself. So I just had a different outlook on everything. So I was blessed with people here at work to help me, and so I continued to work, and my family was awesome. No, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, It's good to know you came out on the other side, and I'm sure that the story is is just so inspiring for anyone else who may be battling cancer. The cancer diagnosis can be devastating and confusing for for any patient, and perhaps especially for young patients and families. Uh, How do you apply the lessons from your experience to working with patients and families and helping guide and reassure them throughout the process? When I'm working, it's honestly just about the families and patients and not myself, unless it's a situation that deals with something I've gone through. Like I went through radiation twice. So if it's a young adult or teenagers who's struggling with eating and not being able to drink, because I struggled with that a lot, and everybody would be like, you need to eat, you need to drink. And I, honest to God, could not do it. So I know how that feels and everybody's like in their face telling them, you need to do it, you need to do it. And I will just tell them, I know you can't, I know you can't, however, you need to do the best you can so we don't have to admit you for IV fluids or whatever else you may need. So I can really understand and and really 
sympathize with them. And I can tell the parents they're doing the best they can. So I really, and the young kids, I can tell their parents how they're feeling instead of them not knowing. So I can give the young children's parents a better perspective of how they're feeling. And then the teenagers and young adults, I really can relate to them. And every now and then I might share my story if it relates to them, but not often. Because it's not about me, it's about them. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. Um, and, and speaking of, you know, your story, we actually came across it, you know, through a news article highlighting the special bond you formed with some of your young patients. What can you tell us about the interactions you've had with these brave kids? I imagine that these are relationships that where you are helping them and they're also, you know, kind of inspiring you with their own resilience. Oh, that's why I work here. I wouldn't work anywhere else. These, I work in a very unique place. It's the Children's Cancer and Blood Disorder Center, where we do primary nursing. So when a patient is diagnosed with cancer, they're assigned to one of the six infusion nurses, which I'm one of them. So we follow them through treatment all the way through from the beginning of their diagnosis all the way through. So we get to know how they like their port access, what works best for their nausea and vomiting, what prescriptions they're on. So we really get to know these patients and families. Their moms, dads, grandparents, brothers, sisters. We almost become like their side family because they're with us all the time. It's a very awesome experience. And most of the kids do really well. There's a handful that don't. So then when they become young adults and go into college, we still follow them. So they'll come back through here and we see them when they're five, ten years off treatment and doing well. So it's really, really awesome. I wouldn't, I don't know how people work behind a desk all day. They don't have the same experiences that we do here. And every day we all look at each other and a little child with a bald head has gone through running and laughing hysterically. And we all just look at each other and we're like, this is why we came to work today. Because that little child is so awesome and doing so great. So we really, I really am lucky to have this job. That's incredible. That's something I never, you know, considered that you really, right. you really do get to watch these kids it's a grow privilege. up. It is. Yes. It is. It is incredible. Yes. The work you guys are doing is definitely incredible. Well, thank you so much for going through all of that with us. And now, Hannah, uh, I have a few other questions just kind of give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work you do. Um, the first one is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? One, I remember when I was going through cancer, one, somebody one time said, think about what now, not what if. And I try to live just each day as it comes. And I don't, I really do not worry about stuff. And my husband, he's a huge worrier. And I I would not be able to live if I worried about all the things that are going to happen. So I just don't worry. And I don't plan. I just go as things come. So I think that's the best way to live personally. Everybody can't live like that. But I think when you've had cancer twice and you haven't done anything to cause it, if you worry about everything under the sun, you're just going to struggle. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's pretty sound advice, uh, especially right now. Um, yes, especially <laughs> right now, for sure. <laughs> um, so the next question I have for you is, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be? My last meal would probably be... I'm a junk food junkie. I do not eat healthy. First off, my <laughs> stomach cannot tolerate it after the colon cancer, but I probably would eat my mom's chocolate chip cookies with lots of milk 
because she makes the best chocolate chip cookies on the world. So I would have her bake me lots of those and eat those all day long. So that would be my meal. Just cookies. <laughs> I think that's respectable. I have a, the biggest sweet tooth. Nobody in my yeah. family knows how I got it, but oh my gosh. Um, so my next question is, what is the top item on your bucket list? On my bucket list? You know, I don't, I've never really thought about that because I just, I really want to just go to a safari in Africa. That's the one thing I really want to do, go on a safari. I like that. I would like to go see the elephants. Yeah, that, I yeah. I want to see the giraffes and zebras yeah. and just see them running free. I just think that would be so awesome. I bet it's gorgeous. Like I bet it's. I so, think so too. Yeah. Yes, just to see all the animals running free. I can't stand zoos because all the animals oh, are locked same. up. Oh, big so. same. Yep, I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, go on a safari. Yeah. Don't know if it'll happen. They're so expensive, but I just think <laughs> that would be an amazing trip. For sure. And finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We'll go ahead and spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? I love to read. um, Let's see. I've been reading a lot of books off of Reese's Book Club recently. And my I guess I'll start with my movie my husband and i love the notebook because he thinks our relationship is just like the notebook so it's not going to be easy it's going to be really hard and we're going to have to work at this every day but i want to do that because i want you i want all of you forever you and me every day (laughs) so i'd bring the notebook from um now brain fart because i had a brain tumor we always laughed and i can't remember stuff because i had a brain tumor who's the um we all know who wrote the notebook, Nicholas but I can't Sparks. think of it. Yes, Nicholas Sparks. Mm-hmm. There we go. The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. That would be my um, movie. Okay. My book. Let's see. There is one that I like to read over and over. It's not on. It's a book my sister gave me when I first had my brain tumor, and it's about healing. It's called The Mind, Body, and Spirit, and it's about the power of healing. Okay. And it just gives you, like, tips on like healing in like a naturalistic way and what was the other one uh album album i'm gonna have to go way old school and say jewel okay okay (laughs) that sounds crazy but i was a huge jewel lover back in high school and every time i hear her music i just My husband and I met in high school, and we just laughed to death when we hear Jewel. And I could, every time I listen to her, I just love her. Well, so, I think that's. I know are, that sounds crazy, no, but no, those are wonderful <laughs> entertainment survival kit picks. Um, and with that, that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And thanks again to our guest, CHKD nurse Hannah Groff, for joining us today. Mm-hmm.